You know, as we continue these virtual services, I'm finding I'm changing how I approach my sermons. I've moved from trying to understand and explain the message enclosed in the readings, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. And I moved from that to trying to understand what the message we need to hear as we continue in self-quarantine and watch as every aspect of our lives are changed. As Jerusalem Greer told us in her sermon on Monday of Holy Week, none of this is normal. But that being said, maybe we're moving to a new normal. A new normal that maybe slows down a bit, spends less time in the car and more time walking the neighborhood. One that appreciates each other a little bit more, and especially when we can safely gather here and share our boisterous extended peace that is the hallmark of St. Peter's. A new normal that reflects the overwhelming message of hope found in today's readings. And it's appropriate for a second Sunday of Easter that we that we continue to hear and speak the message of hope that is breaking through the darkness. Our gospel reading opens with a circumstance that may feel all too familiar to many of us. The disciples are sequestered or quarantined in the upper room. The doors are locked, and they're fear fearful of a lingering threat just outside. Jesus appears and offers a peace be with you. On Monday, Thursday, during Holy Week, we heard Jesus comforting final words to the disciples at the Last Supper. Peace I leave with you, my own peace I give to you. So his return here bookends this message of peace. The disciples rejoice. And Jesus says something strangely significant for our time today. He breathes on us. An act that recalls God's original breath to Adam, now, the Hebrew word for breath is ruach, and it also means spirit. Jesus sends the spirit to the disciples, and they are sent on their missions to heal the world. That sounds pretty good today, doesn't it? Now, I'm just enough of a hypochondriac to find myself checking my breath periodically. In light of the virus, a few times a day, I take a deep breath, and I check for signs of tightness or pain. I momentarily scan myself before going on with my day. Now we're told this is probably good hygiene anyway, and, and may be a part of this new normal. But I'm comforted that it is a breath that I take, just as Jesus breathed unto the disciples. In that breath, we're kind of cosmically connected across the centuries, the divine touching the human. Breath. Spirit. Now, Thomas gets all the attention in this reading from John's Gospel and, and is the star witness in many a second Sunday and Easter sermon. Doubting Thomas, we're told, although that doesn't appear in Scripture. And in a way, it's unfair. See, when you look at it closely, he basically does what the other disciples did the week before. He wants to see for himself what happened, what they say happened on that Easter night. Wouldn't we want to do the same? Who knows? There, there might have been something in the wine that night. Their fear created a moment of mass illusion. He wants to make sure it's the same Jesus he saw at dinner on Thursday, who washed his feet. He does see, and in the strongest admission of belief yet, proclaims, my Lord and my God. And it's easy to see Jesus' response as, as a slight rebuke. Sure, you believe because you have seen, but what about those believe, who believe who have not seen? 
That sounds like a refusal. But what if, what if it was just a simple question? Not a spoken word. What if Jesus is asking about folks like us who have not seen across the millennia, asking us to believe? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Who's blessing them? This is all about belief. But it raises the question, what are we actually to believe? There's a lot in Jesus' teachings and works and signs to take in. What's at the center, the core, of what we are to believe? There's a line in the opening of today's reading from 1 Peter that points us, I think, to what we are to believe. He has given us a new birth into the living hope through the resurrection. We are called to believe in a new hope through the resurrection, that we will have an eternal inheritance from God. See, we're being offered a new hope, new hope in our salvation. The early church was focused on the resurrection. It was the linchpin and belief that proved that Jesus was the Christ, was the Messiah. I pointed out before how the Apostle Paul complete focus, had a complete focus on Christ's resurrection and ignored Jesus' life and works. And in today's reading from Acts, we have our very own apostle. We have Peter waxing eloquently about the resurrection. Death has no dominion over him because it was impossible for him to be held in its power, Jesus tells us, or Peter tells us. The reading in Acts is a portion of the Pentecost moment that we'll share in some form in a few weeks. It's considered the first fully Christian sermon. And Peter, infused by the Holy Spirit's flame, asserts the scriptural basis for Christ as the Messiah. He's speaking to the Jews from across the Levant, gathered to celebrate the 50 days of Pentecost. Peter's message becomes the mission statement for the emerging Christian community. Jesus was handed over to those outside the law, that is the Romans, and crucified. But God raised him up, having freed him from death. With that, death's dominion is done. Death itself has died. Now, Peter's not known for his oratorical skills. In, fa in fact, if you think about it, throughout the Gospels, he's often the one who says something well, kind of stupid. Recall at the foot washing, when he insists that Jesus bathe him completely. Or his promise of loyalty just before Jesus is taken away. Loyalty blemished by his three-time denial. In many cases throughout the Gospels, he's saying what the others are probably thinking. But Peter's just the one who's willing to step out and, and actually say it. And that makes me like him even more. I'm proud that we carry his namesake here at St. Peter's in Common. In his sermon, Peter quotes from today's psalm to offer proof of God's promise realized in Jesus' resurrection. He quotes David, who at the time was considered the author of the Psalms. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And Peter finishes this with this Jesus God raised up and of them all are witnesses. Now we're not told this in today's reading, but the response was, immediate, and it was profound. Those gathered were, quote, cut to the heart, and more than 3,000 repented and were baptized. 
So many baptized that it, flow, it slowed the flow of the river Jordan. Today's scriptures call us to believe in the new birth into the living hope of the resurrection. The new birth into the living hope of the resurrection. In the death of death and the promise of everlasting inheritance, we are called to hope. Paul Tillich calls this the hope of salvation. Salvation, he reminds us, comes from the Latin salus, which means healthy or whole. And salvation is both a part of our lives today and in the future. Salvation is present in every act of healing. A sickness, like what's going around so much today, or even of a failed friendship. The healing of a broken heart. I think of all the people around the world in healthcare offering salvation to the millions who are suffering. This massive global act of salvation, of healing. And I see local acts of salvation here in our community, of the concern everyone has for those who are sick or might be at risk in our community, for the way we are more likely to start our Zoom chats with a check-in about everyone's health and everyone's sanity. We're not rushing to the business at hand as we might have a few weeks ago. Our phone calls and emails often close with reminders to stay safe. We're also told that the air is cleaner that we're walking more and driving less. And in a way, these are all tiny acts of salvation, of making the world whole again, of making ourselves whole again. This new normal feels in many ways more human than the life we had before, if you think about it. After he breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit, Jesus sent them out to heal the world, make it whole again. And to offer those who would listen, to offer them the hope of salvation, like what we have. Salvation here, and also salvation in the future. Because death has lost its dominion. So let us continue Jesus' call to healing, to salvation in everything we do. In the little acts and the big ones. And when we can once again return to some form of normalcy, let us gather together as a church. Let's try to hold on to the parts of this new normal that are making us more human, that are helping us heal. As Jesus told his disciples, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with us all. Amen. Amen.